This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU, feeding the future of Irish rugby. For more information, visit www.aldi.ie forward slash play rugby. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery and we are back for another season. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, welcome back. Will, Will, it is great to be back. Nice little summer under the belt. Uh, back into rugby season. Um, really looking forward to it. Very exciting. We can't like we get to kick off with the big one. I know. Yeah, a lot of people have been approaching me. A lot of well wishers over the last few weeks. Where is the left wing? When's the left wing coming back? Have you been sacked? Have you been fired? <laughs> Rest assured, I. Am. They weren't well wishers. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> that was a disciplinary hearing. No, uh, no, there was no 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 allegations of impropriety here. We were just taking a little longer the summer to prepare mentally, physically, recharge the batteries. It's a long out mm. season. It is a bumper couple of weeks in the offing, uh, but yeah. How, how, first, we get into the rugby. Like, how was your summer? What, what did you? How did you go? Summer was good. Well, uh, I finished up the exams and they all went well, which is great. Um, so I got to relax. I was uh, no repeats. Got your so leaving results. I got the leaving <laughs> results. Yeah, and um, didn't get my course. But no, no, I got. It was great, honestly, because I I had a. It was a fairly busy year with kind of this uh, work in AIB. Uh, college and then air sports and stuff so I was delighted to get over the line it was a fairly manic year so um, it was great really enjoyed it played a bit of golf um, you know which is nice I like, you know me I like my yeah. golf uh, went away just away my holidays to Greece so that was great uh, really enjoyed that and recharge the batteries excited to get into thing it, it kind of delve into the rugby season there's so much to talk about already mm. um, and so much to look forward to really even in the short medium and long term yeah. you know so I'm, I'm really excited what about you did you, did yeah, you, did I, you get away I, I did I think that and I had a funny incident I was on holidays in Texas in Austin Texas I, I was at a bar waiting to get a get a pint and some English guy came up to me he's like are you a slattery I was thinking, this is a bit odd. I was like, should I say yes? Yeah, <laughs> should I say yes? Am I going to be like, arrested by undercover police officer or something? He's like, I'm a huge left wing fan, love the podcast. Ah, nice and then he you know, was singing Keen Tracy's praise as well. You know, he was a bit mixed on you, Luke. You know, how and well, as long as he's mentioning me, I'm fine, Will. You know me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any publicity is good publicity. So a big shout out to Dom, uh, who I know is an avid listener. Great. Um, nice. 
And yeah, besides that, just ready to get to get back at the rugby season. It's season three of the left wing. We have a, a really, I think, good new logo as well. Your face has kind of been pushed out to the side. I've been added to the logo as well. You're finally. on the logo. Only Congratulations. Three years, only three what about, oh, just Gav. Poor old Gav. Yeah, What's the Gav, story? We get Gav involved. We'll get Gav on the logo for Gav's your Gav's shaking his head over there. He doesn't want... So, he, yeah. he's, he's a humble man, Gav. He doesn't need any uh, yeah, any logo. Far more humbler than I am. Uh, I, I <laughs> demanded, marched into Dave Courtney's <laughs> office and demanded, I want my face on this logo. You've got a bit of leverage now. Uh, you know, that's you know, it. Hey, you got to use it. Have you seen that logo over there? Why don't they put it on a billboard and they're going to bring people out? See that billboard over there? Well, congratulations on the logo, Will. So... Uh, that's year three. Okay, yeah. so now let's get into the rugby stuff. Yeah. So much to talk about. Um, first of all, I want to play maybe a bit of word association with you. When I say pre-World Cup training camp, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Hell. Hell. Is that enough? That was yeah. a word, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Not well, happy well, Do you want more than yeah, one well, word? Put, put, <laughs> a, put us there. Put us there. What, what's the, like, so okay, I, so more than one word. Yeah, this, uh, well, okay. uh, one word to start off as a jumping off point, as okay. a spidergram. You okay. know, when you, you, okay. you circle hell and then we kind of have a few like little legs going off. Okay. The Irish team have been in camp since, you know, maybe late June. So mm. it's a long L slog. You've been there. You've been in the same position. Yeah. Uh, before we get into you know the selection issues and all that in the England game, you know let's just maybe talk a bit about what this build-up is like. From, well, from your perspective, how did you find it? Yeah, look, as you said, um, it, it's the length of it. It's you know the build-up. It's kind of pressure every day. And I think particularly my own experiences around it were not like I wasn't uh, a nailed-on starter, so I didn't really know. Like those guys will have a good indication that they'll be going as long as they don't get injured or really blow up in training or show up in really bad shape, etc. etc. Right? Those kind of things. The 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 I suppose the uh, the things that go without saying for them, if they produce and 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 they train well and they come in a decent shape, they'll go on the plane, right? Rest assured, they will, regardless of what the coaches say. Uh, so I was never in there, so it was huge pressure every time I, c- I came in because every day was really really important for me to try and impress. Um, and you're probably looking at maybe call it out of the squad of 45 we're looking at probably 25 guys who are in that boat so for those people it's really really challenging and you've got to really impress you've got to come in in as best a shape as you can um and yeah it's the sheer length of it because you never really get to relax so even if you get into the squad and i had some bad experiences obviously didn't get in twice but even the last one that you get in so you've done all this you've you know you've you've performed under pressure you're on the plane you're going to the world cup you're delighted but all of a sudden then You've got all. You've got kind of eight weeks of, you know, games that you have to try and produce every day in training again. Yeah. Try and, you know, it's, it kind yeah, of starts like, all over again. Then once it it's starts been, all yeah. over again because you try, got to try and get into the twenty-two as it would have been in the uh, two thousand and seven World Cup, but the twenty-three then obviously from twenty eleven onwards. You're so old, you transcend the yeah, extra. Prop I was rule. there when it was only yeah seven <laughs> subs. Um. So. Yeah, look, it's 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 a lot of pressure for those guys, and it's really hard then off the back of that, I think, to produce, particularly for the whole season, but for, even for this little period here, uh, you know, it, it is a very difficult thing to be doing for that long, yeah. to be switched on every day. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, kind of, I guess, dynamic, because Eddie Jones obviously named his squad really early, like he mm-hmm. named it last week, and yeah. people maybe raised their eyebrows, but part of it actually makes a bit of sense in the sense that if your goal is to ultimately prepare for the World Cup, it's no harm everyone knowing you're going, you're not going, rather than what you say, where it's a bit of a rat race, you're more you're more concentrating on, oh, I want to get on the plane rather than mm. let's plan to win a World Cup, almost, yeah. because you're, you're, you're just concerned rightly for your own position, whereas if you've nailed down the 31, you can kind of just drive on with planning for the opening game or, or whatever, what have you. Completely agree. I actually thought it was really sensible because even the guys who leave the squad, well, they'd be disappointed now, they can't 
kind of go back and play games and prepare with the clubs because they'll all be kind of playing their preseason stuff now. So I actually think they'll be in better condition because they won't be sitting on getting 15 minutes here, you know, 10 minutes here, whatever it may be, because they're kind of on the outside. And as you say, from a planning perspective, everyone has clarity. Everyone knows, you know, that, you know, they're, they're in the squad, they're going, but also probably what they need to do, who they're going up against. Um, and, and that I think that clarity can be a really powerful tool for them in terms of preparation for that first game because you want to hit the ground running as soon as possible in the competition, you know? Yeah, to that end, like, so obviously after the Six Nations, there was a bit of uncertainty about maybe if they needed to tweak the game plan slightly or do some tactical stuff like that. Like, how much of that will have been done at this stage given the enlarged squad? Will Will Joe wait until the squad is the, the actual travelling party to, to introduce stuff like that? Or will that have been worked on from, you know, way back in the summer, do you think? I, I think Joe, so what Joe does really, really well um, is he can make, he, he, he he's so, so much confidence in the group and in the methods um, at this stage, like he's there a long time now, um, that he can prepare the team for all the players. Like for So I would say if I was just knowing Joe, I would say there's probably a good chance that they've had a really good look at Japan already. Um, and that they'll know most of the guys there, even the player group who are there. So I'd say he will have done a little bit of preparation. He'd have just teased through a few of the key aspects for that week so that they have a short turnaround between the Scottish game and that one, the six-day turnaround. And I wouldn't be surprised. What he usually does is prepares for those ones. Maybe, sorry, maybe not now, but he definitely will... Two weeks before the Scottish game, he'll he'll do a week. He'll do maybe half of the week's preparation on Japan, and then he'll do ten ten days of preparation for Scotland. So we have a bit banked on the Japanese game. He may have even introduced some of that stuff um, before now, unbeknownst to the player. So that'll be kind of like plays that they'll be using from like in open play. So they'll probably like because you know, in most of those, there'll be a slight adjustment in terms of defenses that you'll be coming up against. So he'd probably have a few little tweaks that he'll make in terms of starter plays, in terms of uh, open play, where you're saying maybe we'll, you know, we'll practice a few of these exits because we might change that week, or we, we'll maybe a few moves between the forwards and backs, like link plays. I would suggest that he might have introduced that unbeknownst to the players at this point as, say, preparation yeah. for Wales or um, whoever it may be, and then England coming up this weekend, of course. So um, that's kind of how he will kind of prepare the guys, I'd say, maybe now. But he could... like. Don't be. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd actually touched on some of the Japanese stuff already. Mm. It sounds like a weird thing to say, given that it's Scotland that are coming up. But I think he'll do like ten really hard days of Scotland before. Yeah, and they'll have they'll have banked all that stuff. And um, from the fitness element, it's interesting. Obviously, like the way the season is structured, it's so unusual to have like the biggest competition you'll play in of a four year period at the start of the season. So you have to really be at yeah. your kind of hitting your peak, your season peak almost at the start of the season. Mm. Like so how does the World Cup, the physical preparation compare with to your your normal preseason? Uh, well I think the Northern Hemisphere teams are at a big disadvantage in it. If I'm being um really honest about it. I think uh, the timing of the seasons, like it, it makes it really difficult because literally it takes you it can take you two or three games to get into your stride. Um, and for guys who come in, particularly if there's an injury in the middle of the of the kind of pool games, and you get through to a quarter final, you may have only played like maybe four or five games. So like there's a big challenge getting people up to speed and playing their best rugby. Whereas if you look at people who've been playing Super Rugby, they'll be kind of tapering. Obviously they had the shortened the three game Rugby Championship, um, you know, but they'll have played a Super Rugby season. So all of those guys would just be kind of helping to manage and stay maybe between eighty and ninety percent of full peak. And you think they'll if they manage it correctly and usually the Southern Hemisphere teams it's 
they usually get to the end of the competition even if they haven't been that good over the this the, now people say they time it well they introduce people really well but i think they have there's the, an added benefit in that everyone comes in off the back of a super rugby season the travel isn't great but they still don't play as many games in that um and i think there's a big advantage that they come in peaking and haven't played sometimes really though they rugby. say that like when we have our summer tour in this part of the world that our players are quite tired like so that, I think that's probably an excuse. I think oftentimes those games are actually quite competitive. Um, and I think, uh, particularly as the, the standard of rugby has, has got, I, I think, improved and the pace of rugby has improved, um, those tours have become more and more competitive. You know, you think, um, you know, England against Australia a couple of years back, um, you know, you think Ireland against South Africa a couple of years back, like there was some good before, like and there's been fairly, I, I think they've gotten more and more competitive um, as time has gone on. And um, those games, and you look at even the, North, the, the, the November internationals are oftentimes, they're very, very tight games the last couple of years. It's very rare you see it, you know, a Southern Hemisphere team really spanking. Mm. Uh, one of the particularly, you know, maybe France have been the, possibly the exception, but I think, um, England, Wales, Ireland have been, those games are usually really, really tight with the with yeah. the uh, Southern Hemisphere team. So there's probably an argument there that like look at times you'll get an outlier, but I think more often than not those have become tighter. I would rather have come in. See November, you you've played a bit more rugby at that stage. This yeah. is coming a little bit earlier. That's the challenge for me with with Rugby World Cup um, for Northern Hemisphere teams. I, and just another uh, word on the preparation. Like I saw, I think it was Keen Healy said it was his toughest preseason ever. Like and he's been out you know two other World Cups so. Mm. You know, is that a sign that Joe is, I don't know, target or you know, preparing differently for this one, or, or if or if he's, uh, I don't know if they prepare. I think they hit the ground. Uh, from what I gathered, um, and I didn't really quiz anyone too much on this at all the the weddings and stuff I was at, but um, I think they hit the ground running really hard. It sounded like they they came off like I heard weird things that they had lots of injuries early on because they really ran the guys seriously hard. They expected them to be coming in in very good condition. Um, and they were going to kind of they gave them fairly staggered breaks like they didn't do really long blocks of work and then let the guys go away for it they did like kind of it sounded like you know, almost like kind of three weeks a week off three weeks like it's usually yeah. they've gone longer in my experience with them which is actually really challenging because after three weeks of really hard work your body is like kind of breaking down a little bit yeah. and it's actually it sounded like they, they were very sensible on that front but I did hear that they had a fairly heavy injury load like kind of niggly stuff at the start now that can just be people, you know, not being in shape coming in or whatever it is. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because I always felt that it's really important actually to to make sure you're gentle on the guys the first week coming in because regardless of how often you train on your own in the preseason, you do need to rejuvenate and you do need to in like I would say the most important thing actually from what from just from my own experience in preseason and the really good ones I had was actually staying fit for the whole of preseason because you really get the gains around the middle and towards the end of it. You should be really kind of humming at that stage and really coming to the peak in terms of your lifting ability. Like there's no, at no point in the season should your lifting be better <coughs> than it should be in the, between the kind of the end of the middle block and the end block. You should be hitting your straps then. Mm. Um so I always think the key part is not to break the guys at the start. So I'm wondering, like that did sound interesting. Yeah. Um, now Keane has kind of gotten to a level where maybe he was able to go for the whole thing. Um, 
he's just he's he's really gotten himself into a good position in terms of understanding his body and he stays in shape all the time. So, so if he's saying it's tough, but the, the, other thing is, well, he, the other guys might have been injured at the start, yeah. whereas he was, I, I've, I've, I've a feeling from talking to him that he had a really good one and that he was able to push himself really hard for the whole thing because he came in and like he's he seems to have gotten himself. He's lost all the weight um, that he would have had a few seasons ago. He was kind of hovering around the 120s and he, he's kind of in his fighting weight now is like kind of 114, 115, mm. 116, I think. And he says he just feels so much better. And I think he's probably got the technical now surround scrummaging and that as well. So the extra couple of kilos, he, he said, doesn't really add much value because his technique is so mm. set in stone now and he's so good there. So um, that could be what that is. So look, I think it's a good thing. Like I, I, they do seem like when every, all the guys I've seen, they look in really, really good condition and they don't look, they seem refreshed. I'd say the play, going to that place like they're at the moment and the Portugal, campus in Portugal, yeah. like those things are great for everybody because you get to go in the pool after the bit of heat on the bones they'll be used to the conditions that'll be kind of similar out in Japan you know so what, what about the, the mental preparation to, not in terms of like you know sports psychology but just like being in camp for such a long time you know yeah. it strikes me just look from the outside looking in I remember when I first kind of saw the date they came back on I was thinking geez, that must be like really Depressing, like, <laughs> yeah, like, but like a bit boring. Uh, I don't know, it's really, right word, it's deadly boring. Yeah, no, but it's like, deadly boring. like uh, how how do you keep kind of sane? Because it's just relentlessly preparing, preparing, preparing. The warm up games at the, at the time were like eight, ten weeks away, and they're only the warm up games. The World Cup itself is it's like you know couple of months away and it must be very mentally tough to, to stay switched on and to stay up, up for it but maybe I'm just No you're, you're right yeah. it's it's the real challenge and it's, particularly I think it's it can be a challenge around someone who's as into the details as Joe because he's watching everything all the time um, and I think that can be a challenge I'm, I'm sure that would have been some of the feedback from the last World Cup with Joe was that guys needed a break every now and then they needed to go out and have a few beers here and there enjoy each other's company a bit um, and I think was I, it a bit too intense in 2015 it could well have been it could well have been I think um, and I know myself I was delighted to be out of camp at the end of it I was kind of oh god like it's just nice to be actually have a bit of my own like a bit of my life back yeah um, because you're always on a schedule there you're always wearing the clothes that you're told like it's like being back in school you know for 24 hours yeah um, and there's big pressure for a long period, as I said. Like I, I found myself that while there's pressure to perform every week, there was big pressure on every single train. Like most of the guys are just preparing for the training sessions to learn what they need to know for the matches. Whereas I was like, yeah, I have to impress. Know, I've got to prepare three yeah. different positions here. Uh, I've got to get all my timing right for every single one. Um, I've got to play well. I can't have one mistake because I know, like, I, I probably that could be the difference between me getting in the twenty-three or not. Like, yeah. so uh, that was kind of big pressure, you know, all, all the time. And I know there was lots of people in the same. Yeah, boat, and, you know? and I guess as you said, you you know, in your different World Cup preparations, you were always kind of on the bubble of being selected. Like, what was the communication like with the coaches? Do they let you know where you stand? Are they like? Oh, or, great question, Will. I don't know. If you, have you got insight into this? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it got really really weird because in 2015 um our own uh Rory Rudds uh got the uh he was getting the team all, like all the time so someone in the squad was feeding him the team for the for the start of the of the of the tournament and Joe basically got really paranoid about it and really pissed off about it and basically didn't like he didn't tell us like until like the night before some of the times that yeah. we were at the subs that were in the team 
So that's I I hated that. It felt like Martin O'Neill, like with, the rat, <laughs> yeah. with like on 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 the cigarette box, like yeah. going or Mike Bassett stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Benton hedges. Yeah, on the Benton hedges smoke box. Yeah. yeah, it felt like Mike Bassett stuff. So it was uh, I hated that. I like cause especially because I was preparing for a few different positions. Um, that was really frustrating. And um, it took a lot out of you because you're kind of like the night before the game, you're just saying, okay, so now I know that I'm in. Uh, like, technically, it shouldn't change, but it does change. Like, because, you know, you're wondering, oh, like, just from, you start every single conversation or every single interaction you have with the coaching staff, you're thinking about, it. oh, like, well, what do they mean with that? Or you're trying is that to read their body yeah, language. Yeah, like, and you start yeah. trying to figure out, like, when, when the team is named, like, where do I, like, I, I know I cover a few of those positions. Like, is he carrying an injury? Is there a good chance that I'll be, you know, because yeah. he knows I cover that position better than maybe I cover the other positions or he covers those positions better than I cover those <laughs> positions. Like, all these permutations are going through training. It's, it is mentally training. And you always like to have the team early in the week. Um, problem is, Joe couldn't trust the guys with it. So, um, you could see from his perspective, he just was like, well, look, in that case, if you can't be trusted with the team, there's someone in here that's outing it to the to Rory. Uh, basically. What a news, Ham. Uh, well, look, it's good. It, it's good. Um, you know, from his perspective, he's working his contacts in there. Like, that's it's his job to do that. It was obviously frustrating for us when we were in the bench. We're saying, Rudds, please, <laughs> just stop naming the team. Um, and even it started affecting, actually, the, the starting team. Like, he started kind of mixing guys in and out quite, quite, le quite late in the week and naming the team a few days later. So it was mm. it's amazing how one person who, you know, is outside the group can actually have an impact, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. And just, you know, you mentioned Joe there, obviously, like, what... What what was he like in that 2015 build up? Like was he was he a diff did he was he different to what he would have usually been like in Six Nations camps or when you had him in in, in other situations? Did, did he did he come out with a different approach for a World Cup? Um, no, I didn't think he did. Like I, look, I was kind of surprised that at some of the selection things. Like there was a few guys who did really well in the warm ups. I was surprised he put so much stock in the warm up games. Um, that was particular, and, and like obviously that affected me personally. So that was kind of like. I, I, because I was coming back from a shoulder reconstruction, so I didn't. Get, I was coming in very cold and kind of trying to find my feet a bit. Um, and I suppose some of the selections around that, I was a bit like, "What? What's going on here? Like, how is this? How is this transpired this way?" Yeah. Um, and that was surprising. Um, but then I suppose it's it's a good way of him because he kind of sticks to his principles on it, like people who train really well, who are fit, who come in in good condition. Uh, who play well in the warm-up games, like, he places, he clearly places stock in that. So, um, you know, guys who've played well, like, you know, Chris Farrell, Tyke Byrne came on, did well. Like, it's actually very important to do that. Um, Andrew Conway, um, who I think will will go because he covers a few positions and he's very good in the air. Joe likes Andrew a lot. So, um, he did well, obviously, against Italy as well. So, guys like that, like, you know, you don't want to let the foot off the gas after the first one, but I guarantee you he'll be placing a lot of stock on those games. And if you impress, in, a, in particularly in positions where there's, you know, some competition, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Don't be surprised to see them in there. He he will go with the form guys. I, I, this is I'm basing this obviously on the on the previous yeah. World Cup. Now maybe he's learned he'll say I'll go with guys who are better players. Um, but. Maybe he won't. Yeah. He won't, might not go in your body of work. Yeah, we'll move on to maybe the warm games then. Like so. How much stock should we put in them? Like, you know, in terms of form lines, like, does it really matter? Because I guess obviously you don't want to, but like Scotland losing by 30 points to France is obviously a real morale, you know, hammer. But, you know, for Ireland in particular, like our record win-loss in warm games is pretty poor. Like before 2011, we lost them all. 
then we played poorly against USA and ended up beating Australia. So, like, like, does it matter really that much if you're if you're winning or losing them? I don't think so. Like, I, look, the key part for me is that you end up betting in your key principles. Like, so from when I when I when I say that, I kind of mean like your defensive structures and timings and what you're doing in each in kind of your situational stuff. Like, so you're just really clear going into the first match what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve, and you have a clear picture there. And that happened, that's, I, I believe that across all the different facets. So like, that'll be like, what, what I think is important to get right is kind of your, your rooking, your technique, your, your delivery around there. Can you, can you deliver t- a ball for the team? And um, once you have the ball, then like your forward interplay, like that kind of part, I think has become really important. And it's something that Ireland went away a bit from last year. I thought, I thought the year before, um, with the Grand Slam, I thought they were really, really good around the forward interplay. They trusted the ball players they had there. Like they have lots of very good footballers in there. I thought they went a little bit away from that last year. Furlong in the Grand Slam game when yeah, that move like he was Furlong, trusted to Furlong put has ball. great yeah. hands. Um, you know, Sean Cronin, Rory Best has good, decent hands as well. Um, Keen Healy, like he getting the ball one play out from another forward to his, someone like him with his footwork. Um, you know, you can create really, like you can make very damaging. Peter Matt, he's got nice hands. Um, you know, Dev Tone has got really nice hands. Uh, you know, James Ryan, all these guys, they went away with. So, what I'd like to see there is maybe a little bit more creativity from the guys there, and I'd love to see them bed down a little bit of timing and delivery on that kind of consistently through these games. So that that would be that to me would be a fundamental part of the game that I'd like to see them get right. Because um, I think it's going to be really important going on, particularly if they get through Scotland and Japan and are, are playing a big Southern Hemisphere team. You need to be able to do that. And I'd also love to see them bring in... I, I don't want to see us go away completely from Conor Murray's box kicking because I think it's a real strength, but they need to build in a viable alternative. And I think the alternative is the crossfield kicks. We saw a little bit of it from Joey Carberry to Andrew Conway against Italy. But I think that's a real weapon for the team. Johnny Sexton does it particularly well. Jacob Stockdale, who's probably starting, and 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 uh, Keith Earls and and Rob Carney would probably think would be the starting back three. They all are very very good in the air, and I think the crossfield kick is something that they didn't use last year as an exit. They just pretty much use Connor, um, and even going to the middle of pitch to to Robbie Henshaw or Rob Carney in the air, to, you know, off a, off a Gary Owen from Johnny Sexton. There's a few things I think they need to consider around that part of the game in terms of exiting um, because that was an area where we were really strong the last couple of seasons and had a real edge on teams, but that got taken away from us. I thought England and Wales did a really good job and if you were South Africa and New Zealand, you think they'll prepare, like Rassi Erasmus will prepare them very well in that facet of the game. He knows well about Connor's box kicking. And Steve Hans, I think there's a big there's a big respect there from New Zealand for this Irish team and what they can do, and I think that's an area where they'll be fairly mindful of Ireland's prowess and you know the 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 ability of Ireland to get on top of you if they can get those ins into the game. There, it's a real build, it's a real it's a real momentum shifter. Yeah. So those areas for me, will are the key, it's those principles around the game. It's your exiting, your principles around your forward interplay. And the defensive stuff, getting real clarity about what everyone's doing in every position on the pitch. So, do those things right. The results, I think, are uh, like I think they'll probably look after themselves if you do those well anyway. But betting in those principles and then getting a little bit of rhythm, um, because they'll help you get the rhythm. Yeah, and in terms of the exiting, it's not ideal. Obviously, Joey Carby picking up another injury, which yeah. kind of could change the makeup of the squad. Like at the moment, it looks like 
he'll still go along with Johnny and maybe Jack Carty or Ross Byrne and two scrum halves is what the kind yeah. of the, the talk is. Like, what what do you make about that debate about how many tens or nines should be brought? Like, what do you think is the idea balance there? Um, well, like, Joey's good because he can play a few positions for you. Like, if you're really stuck, if you got two back injuries, you could send him into fullback. And I, I still think that's his best position, to be honest. Um, so he's, he, like, he, he has to go if he's fit because he has the versatility as well. Um, and then it comes down to whether you're picking jo- like uh, Jack Carter or you're picking Ross Byrne. I, I personally, you know, I'm picking Ross Byrne. I think he's a big game player. I think he's got an excellent kicking game. I think he's a bigger guy. Um, Jack Hardy was excellent um, against Wales and he's been excellent all season, but I prefer Ross Byrne. Mm. Um, I think Jack Carter's in the driving seat, though. I agree with you yeah. on that, but I think that's a mistake, um, would be my view. I think, um, you know, there's probably a few guys like that, that halfback in terms of the halfback battle. I, I was kind of surprised to hear about the drop off. I saw Raj saying there was a big drop off between um, Connor and the number two guys, because um, I think that's probably less clear about who's number two. I know Joe has a thing for um, Kieran Marmion because he came on and did so well in the wing against Australia a couple of years back. Um I'm less sure that John, like leaving John Cooney out and Luke McGrath, I'm not sure that those two guys were, aren't were better players. Were you surprised Cooney was cut so soon? Really surprised. Um, I'm, I was really surprised, actually, because I think he's a good kicking option as well. He's brave. His passing seems... I don't know if his passing is the most crisp of the other three. Um, I think Luke McGrath has improved his immeasurably. I think Luke McGrath is a better player than Marmion. Um... I think it's pretty close between John Cooney and um, Luke McGraw. I think they're both the number twos. And I'm really surprised that he hasn't considered that. I don't. I think Marmion's done nothing wrong, but he was like I, himself and Caelan Blade. Like that was a less clear as to who was actually the number one choice for Connacht um, last season. So I was really surprised to see him drop John Cooney out. He just has a, he seems to have a, th- a bit of a hangover from when John was a young guy in, in Leinster. But I think what John has done up in Ulster, like he's been a big part of making them a better team, and his kicking was outstanding at points, particularly at the start of the season. He kept them, like he kept them ticking over in games where maybe last season they would have lost, um, or sorry, the season before they would have lost. So that was surprising to me, and I, I was I was kind of gutted for John. I really felt like he had a real chance to go to the World Cup. In saying that, if we're talking about the number two, but what, Luke what, McGrath, what I'd be picking three guys. Uh, you take three scrum halves. I take three, and the reason I'd, pick, I'd, I'd take three, I know it, it leaves you a bit of a problem in terms of other personnel if you get an injury, but just bring someone else out if you get an injury. Those positions to me are less. They're, it's well, less challenging. Well, will my, to, my thing about bringing three of three tens and three nines is that means you can give Sexton and Murray complete rests for for certain games. If you don't, you can't. Yeah, like they're two of our most important players. I would. I think it's prudent to give them a complete day off against Samoa and or Russia. Yeah. Whereas like we do we need forced centers like I don't know I don't know if we do, you, you know. Keith Earls plays in the center yeah, if you need yeah, to play someone yeah, in the center. Yeah. You know, I I just think if you're looking at squad management and, and what would be the best for the squad, I think you need an extra tight head yeah. to cover Furlong which you're doing because you want to give fur- the three best players, you want to give them complete yeah, breaks yeah. in my opinion. I I think you're right will. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because like I think the reason okay, the re- the other reason and this is my main purpose for bringing you know, three three half back pairings. If uh, you know, is I think it's they're the kind of heartbeat of the tempo of the team, and they're the link between your forwards and your backs. Changing those guys up because each guy will play with different depth. Each guy will have different abilities in terms of passing and timing, where he likes his players to be, how he likes the calls to be. 
having your personnel around those guys and running more reps with the team it's actually quite important like those guys coming in as a halfback out of the fold and into the fold from say Ulster or Munster or Lens wherever they're coming from it, that may, that's a big challenge to get the timing right because all the set plays and all those moves are different I think that's a mistake to not keep them exposed to that setup and the timing and the tempo of the team because they are the heartbeat of it they touch the ball the most out of anyone on the pitch you know uh, every single game and I think you need your guys used to that timing. As you say, like I think look, you can always bring someone else in. If you're playing in a centre role, like your timing is fairly set. Like you're gonna Yeah, you need to have reps with the guys, but more often than not, you're gonna be coming in as a second choice anyway. So you'll get reps during the week with those guys as many as you want. Um I think it's less challenging for those people to get up to to, to speed with with being the link between your forwards and backs. So no, I think it's important to keep the guys out there. But, Interesting to see what he does with Yeah, because it was interesting. In 2015, he went three tens, two nines. And then I think when Jared Payne got injured, he brought out Isaac Boss as, you know, so he did end up bringing out that third scrum half in the end. So it's, it's just, it's an interesting dilemma. I guess for the rest of the back line, there's not that much kind of intrigue or mystery. Like he has to cut kind of two outside backs. Like realistically, Dave Carney will probably be one of the players cut and then Will Addison and maybe Chris Farrell probably vying for that last spot like Addison being able to cover centre and full back he likes Addison a lot as well from what I gather but I think Farrell's I yeah. like Farrell and I fitness like I don't know else. Addison if I'm not sure fitness wise if Addison is still the back in your lower yeah. back and apparently he showed up in great, in great shape for camp though did I yeah, not read that I mean, in the yeah I thought he said that they that he was doing well in camp yeah. or that he'd been called in because he was in good, good condition yeah. so maybe that won't be a thing for him um, I like Farrell I like him a lot I think he's a good player I like his handling I'd like to st- I'd still like to see him particularly for Munster to be passing the ball as well he's a nice passer of the football and that's a big challenge for Ireland is getting another playmaker outside of Johnny Sexton because mm. if you get if you get Johnny Sexton or Conor Murray down the ground like there's, the ball isn't going beyond or in, in recent times hasn't been going beyond Johnny Sexton to your fullback or to your winger um, and Simon Zebo had kind of been that link uh, between you know, say Johnny and his wingers, I thought anyway. I thought that was a, a you know he played a nice role in there for you. And Joey Carberry, I think, is nice out there for that link, um, because the two, the centres for Ireland of, of late they're very very direct. You know, you've Robbie Henshaw, Ring Rose, probably your starting two, but Bundyak is very much like that as well. Um, and if they're going to play that game, Farrell is a perfect you know kind of specimen for that, and he plays twelve and thirteen, you know, both equally mm. well as far as I can see. So. Yeah, it looks like Addison might might drop out there. Um, yeah, look, look, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you'd probably think Dave maybe, um, although he showed some glimpses of some good stuff, but the, I suppose the knock-on was fairly disappointing, so maybe that'll count against him. It's just that they can only bring a, a small amount of back three players. Yeah, like, and I suppose he hasn't played, like he was kind of in the mixture for the end of the season with Leinster, but hadn't really been yeah. prior to that. So um, I'd say that might count against him. I guess the, the big kind of... St- Call at the, at the moment it was interesting to see John Klein got the nod in the first game it looks like him and Tyke Byrne could very well be I know you've already some opinions on this <laughs> leading question I didn't even have to ask a leading question just looking at you I can tell that. yeah look I just like John Klein versus Tyke Byrne anyway yeah well I'd be like how good would it be to see one of our own lads not in the plane there's <laughs> already one of them at home Ulton Delan a Kerry guy sitting on his hole at home uh, excellent player come all the way up through the systems. Um, and it's a remnant of the system now. They've gotten rid of it, so I can't keep moaning about it. They have got rid of, rid of it, you know. And um, I just... It's a World Cup. Like, I want to see the Irish guys go. Yeah. Um, that's for, disappointing From Joe's me. perspective, like... Oh, he's got to pick his yeah, best guys. And, and, and look, if, we, if we're taking it, it's not John Klein's fault. I'm not... Ha- I promise you, I'm not having a go with him. 
Uh, I just feel I'm just disappointed. I'm just it's my own opinion. I just think I'd like to see Ulton Delan going. He's a Kerry lad. I'd like to see him go. Uh, he's come all the way up through the age grade systems. And uh, same with Ty Byrne, and uh, both excellent rugby players. And John Klein probably won't be starting. Like it'll be probably Dev Ian or and obviously Ian other but like James Ryan will 100 percent be yeah, starting. Like, so like this is the interesting thing. That's a good point you make. Like people are like, oh, John Klein's his sheer size could be very good against South Africa, for instance. But he won't be playing against South Africa. He won't be no. in that squad. And then you're thinking. If you're picking someone as a 29, 30, 31st man, I really think you should be looking to a view, like, if need be, who could come in and make a, an impact? Ty Burn. Burn. Like, who, who, I always think... That was, uh, that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> we dovetailed well there. Uh, yeah, I just think when you're, when you're picking at someone as a, maybe one of the last two or three players in, I, I just think it should be, the, the, the nod should go to the person who could conceivably in a quarterfinal be sprung in. Completely and make an impact. Agree with like you. John Klein won't start against South Africa. Is he going to come in and lock down the scrum late on against South Africa or New Zealand? I, I couldn't see him being in the squad even. I would rather have someone who's on my bench who can make an impact. I don't want someone who's just going to fit in and do the like. I'm not saying he's. I, I actually think he's a really good player. I, I really, yeah. really like him as a player. I think he's been brilliant for Munster, um, and he is a class player. Don't get me wrong, and I'm sure a really good guy, but. I just want to see the Irish guy there, and I also think the Irish guy, he, he can play six, and he and like he he could be a viable option to go there. Um, if I didn't think Reese Ruddock, if I didn't think so highly Reese Ruddock, you could see him going there, and he's excellent in the role. Like he is really really good. I think Joe seems to think that he's kind of a bit looser in the pitch, but like I'm sure he, he can teach. Like this would be a great way of betting him in for a future in this team. You've got you know eight weeks with him now, in, you know preparing week in week out. I I look the guy is just an impact player. I think he's he's a guy who can get you a turnover and turnovers are great. Like it's it's the mo- one of the most damaging things to 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 do to an opposition team is to get a quick turnover ball because that's where you can attack from. It's where you can release your Keith Earls, your Stockdales, these guys, um, or turn a team or you know get a penalty here and burn burn for me has to go if it's if it comes down to yeah. Play, it's interesting you, you mentioned there about kind of the future and betting in a couple of players because obviously Andy Farrell future head coach mm. is in this coaching ticket and like I know obviously Joe calls all the shots but I, you'd be interested to see from Farrell's perspective if he how much of a say he can have in terms of like yeah. you know I'd love to see this guy in the squad like he could be a big guy for us 2020 onwards but I, I guess I think jo- they won't even that, yeah. that won't enter into conversation I, I honestly no I know they literally be like yeah. This is the like we'll 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 talk about all that. We've got four years before the next one. Yeah. After this, they're just going to pick the best guys for this particular moment in time, um, and that's a danger because Klein probably is like as a pure second row, he is probably the fourth best yeah. um, lock we have in the country at the moment. Yeah. Um, so technically, on that basis, he probably should go. But I just like Byrne because I think he, if on the basis that you're and you're obviously operating the basis that no one gets injured in the meantime. Or you don't get two two of your locks going down. Yeah. Um. You know you'd probably have him in there if two guys were down. But if he's going to be on the bench, like you'd rather have Ty Byrne in there. Yeah. Would because be like view. Henderson, Toner, and Ryan. Some like Ryan and Toner probably in the clubhouse leaders to yeah. start. Henderson will probably be almost certainly take that bench slot at the moment. So. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, funnily enough, I think Toner and and Ryan will be the front runners. Yeah. Uh, I think Henderson will be impact. Yeah. Um. Just because he's a bit looser in the pitch and Dev, um, the thing is he's just so good as well. Like it's, look that himself and Dev, that'll be a big challenge. Dev is obviously more experienced in terms of calling the line outs and that. Um, 
and there's a lot of trust built up on that. And Ireland based a lot of their play around set play. So Dev gives you a pretty much guaranteed ball if the if the if the throwing is right. So and the calling is right, which he usually gets very right. So um, that'll be an interesting one to see how how that transpires and who's starting. But that's a key call. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, I'm worried about it from from Tyke's perspective. And then the back row is interesting. Like there's probably five back rowers going. Most of them seem to be quite in the line. It looks like Jordy Murphy and Reese Ruddock will probably be fighting it out maybe for the last spot. You know, Conan will be going, Standard will be going, O'Mahony, Van der Fleer, they'll all be going. Mm. There's probably only room for one more. Yeah, I mean, like you'd say the bolter could be Tommy, but uh, I just can't, I can't see that happening. I'd see, uh, see Van der Fleer getting in there ahead of him. Um... Jordy is is versatility is that that's the thing like like Reese does give you an element to that, um because I think that I thought Reese Ruddock was outstanding last year like he was brilliant you know he's just unfortunate that he's coming up against Peter Mahoney there who's all the experience monster captain, so good in the line out as again as I said to you the same with Dev there like the two of those guys from defensive line perspective like I don't know is there a better player than Peter O'Mahony at jumping the two and disrupting ball in opposition line I'm not sure there is in world rugby actually to be honest um, and then around the pitch like I was looking at the stats there he's right up there for, for stealing balls and like for the amount of matches he's played versus the steals I mean Hooper and Pocock are just so far ahead I was looking at a world rugby list but Peter O'Mahony's up there he's like mm. six or seven in the world for that so um, is a tough battle for Reese Ruddock there. Um, like Jordy had a mixy, like you know, that's a tight one for me. Like, uh, like, like Reese is probably a better shape for it. Um, he's such a big man, he, you know, particularly against South Africa. He always is well against the big teams. Um, but it's Jordy's versatility, and Joe trusts him. Yeah, in I, think, big games. I think Jordy will um, get him. I think Joe really likes him. Yeah, but I suppose like without there being another natural seven there, like that's going to be the challenge. Unless you put bring Peter Mahoney over to seven, which he's capable of doing, but then they disrupt the balance. I don't know. So there's that. That's an interesting one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's as clear cut actually, because I think Reese obviously captain the team. Excellent trainer, good guy to be around. Like, not that Jordy isn't uh, excellent at all those things too, but Reese has that kind of leadership element mm. to him. So. Uh, that'll be a challenging one for them to make a selection. I think that's going to be one of the tight ones coming into um, probably the, the, the last weekend before the squad's named. Yeah, so I think we've we've done a good job of kind of touching on all the Irish stuff. I might quickly go through some of the other teams to finish off. And actually, mm. first I want to unveil my first top 20, my World Cup top 20, ranking all the teams. This, this is kind of where they stand at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Reverse order. 20 at the Uruguay. The genuine Uruguayans. 19th Namibia, 18th Russia, 17th Canada, 16th Tonga, 15th USA, 14th Samoa, 13th Georgia, 11th Italy, 10th Fiji. Georgia ahead Sorry. of Canada and Tonga, yeah? Georgia ahead yeah. of Canada and Tonga. Italy okay. 12, Fiji 11, Scotland 10, Japan 9. I've, Japan ahead of, like, of Scotland at the moment. Argentina 8, France 7, Australia 6. Ireland 5, Wales 4, England 3, New Zealand 2. South Africa at the moment for me are oh. the form team. No. The form team for me. The, the form team, sorry, maybe. Yeah, I could probably get on board with that. Um, I missed us. Where'd you have us? Were we 6th? Were we 5th? Behind uh, Wales, England, New Zealand, South Africa. And form at the moment. Kind of heading into Yeah, the Aussies look like they're doing okay. I know they kind of fell apart in Eden Park, but everyone does that by, you know, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start off with New Zealand, obviously. They, they, yeah. had, they had a big win at, at the weekend. But as we were kind of talking off air, like slightly misleading in the sense that in the opening twenty minutes they were they were playing well. They had a few good few handling errors. Australia yeah. should have had a try. You know there was three penalties given was away on joke. the line. Jacko Piper didn't give a card. 
then Australia missed a kick in front of the post, so they couldn't even capitalise on it. Yeah. And then New Zealand ended up running away with it. But, you know, what have you made of their preparation overall? Like, you know, Hanson's trying to bet in a new 10-15 combination with Moonga and Barrett. Mm. Seems a bit risky to do that so near the start of the tournament. What do you think? I don't think he'll play Moonga there. Uh, whatever his name is. Sorry, I, I can't. Is it Moonga? Yeah, oh, Moonga, whatever yeah, it is. Um, I, I think what he's doing from what... From just, just This is my own... Just... I'm not basing this on anything other than my own gut feeling on it. I think he's trying to develop in a sub-10. Um, they didn't really have... Remember they had, they had the Carter situation where they had McAllister who came in and they had someone else... When, when, did McAllister get injured in 07? It reminds me a little bit of that where they just don't have a genuine backup. So I think Barrett will 100% go back into 10 for me. Do you think? Oh, I think, yeah, in the World Cup, definitely, yeah. And I think he'll probably go with... Um, like I'd probably go with Ben Smith at fullback, but it's honest. Like I know he hasn't been playing great um, for him, but he's just so solid back there. He's still uh, like a, like just so good. I just love Ben Smith. I always think he's playing brilliantly. I think he'll he'll put Barrett back in ten. Um, the team has a more settled feel there about it, but I think I think he's trying to develop that. And it's funny seeing Sivu Reese, the guy in the wing, playing unbelievable for for the Outblacks the weekend. You know, he was Class. obviously signed by Connacht and then cut after he had that. Incident. incident yeah 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 um, um, not great to be no, honest with no. you yeah um, like kind of fair play they took a stand you know oh I think yeah. I, I think it's outstanding yeah. you know because just that kind of stuff is just look anyone who's hitting you know, or whatever that was happening um, you know can't have that yeah. you know it's just unacceptable but stuff. it looks like he, he could be a big part of their team though uh, yeah it could be look but look that's they've made a decision that yeah. that's that they're okay with that and that they're going to pick you know the best rugby players yeah. doesn't matter what you do off the pitch so that's fine um, another area for them the centres you know they've been doing a lot of chopping and changing there like Goodhue's come in Crotty's been in there over the last couple of years Sonny Bill actually came back and played quite well at the weekend looks like he could be starting for them yeah I think he gives them a little bit of a settled feel around around their their, their midfield and obviously you've got the offloading ability um, like he still tries that out the back like they, they were nearly in for a try at the start of the game if you hadn't tried the out the back to Aaron Smith like just if you just passed it, yeah, <laughs> it's so like, much more fun. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I look, he's got pause, but like, he, it was a crap when you could see Aaron Smith going mental about it. But yeah, he was excellent. The line for the try was out, it was class. The, the, the one outside the forward mm. runner where it's kind of blind, it's really hard for your your second defender, pretty much can't see it coming. You got your third defender has to be really live, and they could just couldn't stop him. And it was a super finish, so it was good to see that from Sonny Bill, um, because he's such an exciting talent and he's a big player, like, he's so popular and all that, so he'd be great. And he'd be settled out in Japan. He'll probably like Japan. He spent a bit of time out there, so you think he'll be good um, out there. Uh, they look very strong to me. You know, I think the key part for them is can they get Retallick back? Like that's yeah. But even like they they've had a patchy rugby championship. Uh, you know, but well, they've three games. Yeah. Like, so good. it's um, patchy, but they're making a few changes. I think, and I thought that was actually quite smart to do with them because Moonga gets a bit of like he gets exposed in a proper rugby environment. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll go in with a bit of confidence in, like if he has to well, start a World Cup game th there's there's two things that would give me hope that you know they're more vulnerable than they have been at the previous tournaments like the, the team sheet was A unbelievably settled in 2011 and 2015 like yeah. those guys are really bedded in for a long period one or two bolters like you know Milner Scudder came in Richard Kahui came in in yeah. 2011 and played quite well um, you know, a lot of those guys have been, you know, are retired now, and th this team is not settled by any means. And the form line, their form line isn't great either. Like, it, like so, like should more should we have have hope that it won't be, you know, a third World Cup in a row? Like, they're not 
as strong no I don't, not, it's certainly not infallible like yeah. that's uh, you know that, that's like it would have been pretty a huge, certain it about that it would have been a huge shock if they had lost the last two World Cups I don't think it would be a big shock if they were beaten at this one uh, I still I look I, I still think they, it would be a big shock I think um, I think they've been tinkering around a little bit I, th- I do think it's quite important for them to get Ritalik back mm. like he is like he, they look pretty settled when he's in there yeah. you know their scrum he makes a big difference there his impact around the pitch um, particularly in open play, like as a lock, he's just he's so so good. He remind like he's kind of like a Tyke Furlong. Uh, sorry, a Tyke Furlong is like a prop version of him in terms of impact around the pitch. Like you, you just know they shouldn't be having that impact, but they just do. Yeah. Um, and he's evolved everything for them. So I think he's a real kind of a standard setter there, and he, you know, he's a big part of them. So if they get him back and in good shape, then um, I think they're pretty formidable. Uh, I'd expect him to get a bit more of a settled field. I mean, I'd like to see Goodhue actually. I think I just like him. He's very exciting, great pace. I think he'd form a nice partnership. He's a nice foil for for Sonny Bill. I think they'll pick Barrett at ten, and I think the complexion changes quite drastically then for them. Um, once he's in your team, yeah. Like, is it worth moving the guy who's won two World Player of the Years in a row from his best position? I know you want to get yeah. Moang on as well, but. You know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul a bit, are you? Like, you know, I don't know. You're like, taking Barrett out of the position he's been so influential in. Yeah, but I suppose do you, do you take the view that he's so good that you think he's just going to bed in? And they don't really have. It's it's not a tough group. Like you know, they've got South Africa. Yeah, that's fine, right? But once they're through that, like they're either in in first or second. It doesn't really matter. They're going to blast through the rest of the group, and they'll just he can get he'll get time to settle in those guys. Um, at that point, uh, would be my view on it. So. Um, that first one, like it'll be very interesting to see who he picks. Like, like uh, I'm betting, I'd be if I was betting, I'd be thinking Barrett at ten. And yeah, that, like that first weekend is set up to be a cracker. The South African New Zealand mm-hmm. game, they're pro- they're the two betting favourites from a South Africa perspective. Erasmus has turned them around so quickly from what he inherited from yeah. Alistair Kutsia. Like they've won the rugby championship, um, for three the three fir- games. Oh, they still, yeah, still won. They didn't lose it anyway. Like, you know. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, well, the <laughs> All Blacks have the All Blacks have lost the Rugby Championship the last three World Cup years, so it hasn't affected them the last two times. So, yeah. for, from that perspective, um, but you know, still, like they beat the All Blacks in New Zealand last year, they drew with them in New Zealand this year. So that shows serious, you know, serious massive strike. Yeah. So you're, you're dead. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like um, he's done a fantastic job, um, and you can see why South Africa were like, we 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 need you home now. Uh, and that looks like it's been a great decision. Now, obviously, we're still waiting to see the results in terms of World Cup, but um, they look like they've got their stuff together. Um, they look fairly settled as well. Like they have a few guys who maybe will come in and out, but I, I do think they look like they've got a settled enough feel. Um, they look dangerous. The pack as well looks heavy. Looks like a real South African pack. Uh, I like Khaleesi, you know, leading the team. I like Etzebet. Like they're just they have a few real leaders in that pack. From Mullen's back as well. And Marks, Malcolm yeah. like Marks, if you know, all those guys from Mullen. Um they lose I think they'll lose out and could see a little bit, but um leaving that aside, like they'll have low possibly in there as well. Yeah. You know, like they'll have the beast still knocking around. Yeah, like I, I just I have to say I think they look really, really strong. And to clear, off to clear, and then you go to the back line. Like the clerk Pollard and Pollard looks like he's settled in yeah. a little bit, and the kicking looks good. Had a really good rugby championship. Uh, very good. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, like interesting to see they have that in that ten slot line. Probably Janchi's, who's been pretty good for a while. Um, in the sub slot, oh, Pollard will definitely serve. Yeah, no, no, sorry, but no, but in the no, in the sub yeah, slot, yeah, yeah. Janchi's actually improved quite a bit. Like he's not if say they're like if disaster struck and, and Pollard was injured. Janji's is actually more like he was wild when he came in previously you mm. know whereas now I think he's probably a bit more mature and he'd actually run the team quite well so I see them having a very strong championship you and know Colby's probably the best wing in the world at the moment 
he's so exciting, so so exciting. Um, and if they can get him in a bit of you know with a bit of time and space, uh, that'd be that'd be so hard to stop. So yeah, look, they're a real threat. They look to me like they're as you say, they probably do look like the form team and the team to beat at the moment. I still fa- I still fancy New Zealand against them um, in in a big match, particularly if they get Retallick back. Um, but it's a, it's a bloody tight call now. Could which be, which it wouldn't it have been a tight call could, now. Could be one of those things where they play in the pool and play again later in the tournament, perhaps. It could well be, yeah, around semi-final time. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, well, it would have to be in the final. Would it have to be in the final? Yeah, I thought, yeah, are they not yeah. the same side of the draw? No, no, no. So you got the other yeah, side of the draw. Is it? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. excuse me. All right. So, so yeah, so it'll be a final then if possibly, they got him. Possibly okay, so, yeah. unless Ireland has something to say about it in the quarterfinals. Well, that's great, because I, I wasn't sure. That's okay, because I hadn't gone that far ahead. I've only been thinking about the quarterfinals. So Ireland then get the... Which side did they get? Tempting fate here, but if Ireland were to win their quarter final, they would play either Wales, Australia, Wales, Australia, France, or Argentina. So it's like it's basically the runner up of the England pool and the winner of Wales, Australia meeting the other quarter final in Ireland's half of the draw. So Ireland would play, you could, you know, Wales, Australia, or France or Argentina. So yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a good semi-final. Sorry, draw. I don't know how. I, so, okay, that's great because I, I thought they ended up on the same. But that would make that'd be crap. Actually, that would make no sense. Say, yeah, you know, <laughs> no, no, you're right. But it'd be crap. Well, it could yeah. make sense if you went. Sorry, if they were the same side of the quarterfinals. Yeah. But obviously, they go the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah, accept that. Yeah. Fine. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we'd have either England, France, or probably Wales or Oz. Okay. Yeah, but look at the, like they're all winnable games for us. Like we can definitely beat all the like, and England will probably be the least favourite of those teams. Well, England will be Spar- well, England. Wales, England are probably going to win their pills, so that means they wouldn't be on that. Side okay, Grant. Yeah, yeah. 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 It'll so be it'll be the runner up, France, yeah. Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Neither of which, well, probably France. We probably prefer in Argentina. Um, yeah, I quietly going about their business, Argentina. Yeah, they they'll be they'll be tricky. No, you got to hate to play well. them. Like they've got a lot of quality, and the rugby championship, like they're, they're, those guys, the. Jaguar has yeah. gotten to the finals. So yeah. They're pretty good. Like. And just to finish up, maybe on this weekend's opponents, England. Um, we mentioned earlier Eddie Jones' name to squad in advance. You know, in typical Eddie Jones fashion, you know, a couple of wildcard selections, a few fellas who were uncapped, you know, Willie Hines coming in, them captaining the side that weekend, or, or was he maybe the vice captain in that warm up game? You know, I think he has four guys with either one cap or zero caps in the squad. Uh, now I think that's a bit of a you know a smoke screen like people are talking about it I don't know how important it actually is their core group of 23 players are going to be arguably the second strongest 23 in the tournament I'd say after the All Blacks maybe uh, yeah probably yeah uh, oh, I was in Africa but look, they look like they're coming together yeah. but yeah no like I think maybe you know I was very impressed with England last year you know and if, if they if the if, if Mako and Billy are fit uh, you know they're, they're bloody hard team to stop um, they look well drilled. Uh, they have a settled field. They've, they've decided eventually on Farrell at ten, uh, which is just for me, it's a complete no brainer. And he's excellent there. And they're kicking. That's a big thing. Like Farrell's kicking under pressure is brilliant. Um, so they'll always be difficult because they've got they've got a good pack, you know. So they're going to be a a, a, a real tough challenge for whatever team that they play against um, and it'll be interesting to see how far they go in the competition I've heard lots of people tipping them to go all the way um, and at this juncture I'm not completely unconvinced that that might be the case yeah I actually think they have a very good chance of winning it they, 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 they could be playing they do like their group is still tricky like yeah. you know disaster can strike in these things uh, like look it is interesting like the selection headaches are like interesting to see Ben Teo you know, a bit of a, a apparently it was a he. I'm sorry, I, I think he he didn't think it was that big a deal. Like the next, but apparently it was. Like um, they or they made a big deal about it, so he wasn't picked after that little argy bargy. Was it because of that? Is that I don't he, know. Uh, I I I'm kind of surprised that it, it seems to have been that. Um, 
But yeah, so look, he's not there, which is a bit of a surprise, I suppose. Um, I don't think he would have been starting for them anyway, but um, that's kind of interesting that he's gone because mm. I suppose he provides something a little... He's got a bit of X factor about him. Um, but yeah, like that, that's an... In, like, and look, uh, like Argentina, like could France put it together? I just think anyone will have too much of them. They'll be too organised for them and they'll, they'll, get, they'll, be on, they'll get on top of them. It's that France-Argentina one is kind of a... That's a tricky one to yeah, call, I think. That's a weak one What's your well. view on that one? I think France are going to win. Do you? I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, do, you I was looking. Look- I just uh, they, they just looking at the team sheet for the warm game, and they had a more kind of tra- not traditional looking team, but players weren't played in stupid positions. They have this wing Raka from Claremont, who's finally made, he made his debut again. Yeah. Who's quality himself and the Fijian, or who's the other guy on the other wing for them? Well, uh, they have Peno on one wing. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of Peno. And they have Raka. You know, oh, the so Fiji- the Fijian guy yeah, is on the. Yeah, oh, he's God's in the sake. team. Like, are there any French lads left? He's like, a quality player. He's so good. Yeah, there's probably a French Luke Fitzgerald somewhere over there being like. I do not think that Raka should be I, in this squad. I confused. Apologies the, for that accent. Sorry. I, uh, accent. <laughs> I, I just thought I confused. I thought you were mad. So you're, is Peno in the squad as well though? Yeah, Peno's on one wing. the two of them are really good. Peno's on one wing, Raka's on the other wing. Oh, um, so they have to, they're starting, you know, they, is this against the Scotland team? They started yeah, those two guys, they, did they? they? crushed them last weekend. I, you know, and then, like, they, they beat them with 30 points, did mm, they? Yeah. yeah and it was it was a decent Scottish team that was put out there. Yeah, I saw Gregor Townsend's comments on it. He said they were very, very disappointed. As you can imagine, yeah. I wouldn't put a huge amount of stock in it, but you'd like to think that you'd be beating the French lads no, no, that, they're it, not great like. that's a that week one game France Argentina is really really interesting and I'm sure we'll talk about that a good bit in the weeks to come as well just to finish up then what about Wales they're now officially world, world number one uh, yeah look I suppose congratulations to them you know it's a body where I saw somewhere I read somewhere that when Warren Gatlin took over the team they were ranked 10 Yeah. Um, so that's a big big improvement you know and it's steady improvement for um, for, for a long period he can be very proud of that body of work I think um, look they're always dangerous uh, like I think with Wales um, you know, away from home, I never think. I I always think there's a slight bit of drop off with them. Um, and I'd be interested to see how they fare that for that long away from you know away from home for that long. Um, I know it sounds like a weird thing to say with professional players, but like they've got a tricky little group there. They've messed up before against Fiji and Georgia are tricky enough as well. I'd be very surprised if they didn't get through, but um. I don't know. I'm I'm less convinced that they that they'll get to that semi final slot. Actually, I think they'll have challenges around the um, the quarterfinals, and um, it's yeah, tough one to call. But like again, though, with them, they're going to have a really good kicker on the pitch. Whoever it is, like you're talking a ninety percent or whoever it is, um, uh, they have a strong pack. Um, even though they will miss Falato, like that'll be like Moriarty is an excellent player as well there. So. Um, the one thing that that goes in their favour in these things is that they have quite a simple game plan, and it's easy to get guys up to speed. With it. there's not that much thinking required, whereas the Irish game plan there's a lot of thinking and timing and all that kind of stuff to get right. Whereas Wales, they keep it simple, which means oftentimes they can produce fairly quickly under a pressurised setting. So I'll be interested to see how they marry that because I always think in in the millennium they're bloody tough to beat. Like it takes a really good performance to beat them there away from home. Mm. That's so the principality, you dinosaur. Das, whatever yeah. you know what you're I mean. You're going to be calling the Scottish Clanletly. Yeah, uh, I probably would call them Clanletly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's an interesting one. Yeah. Wales are like they're they're coming in with a lot of pressure behind them as the number one team. But I don't think anyone. I still think people who know don't think they're the number one. Yeah, team. we need to get the eggheads to crunch the numbers. My team of egg, eggheads to crunch these numbers to see how. I don't know how. New Zealand, Have you got a team? I was wondering. I was crack team crack of eggheads team. on retainer who crunch any number I put to them. But like I just don't. I, I don't understand how the Allbacks can be there for ten years and then they hammer Australia. And then Wales win, but then they still lose their top spot. Hansen said the same thing, but I'm sure there's a scientific explanation. But last question, we've covered a good bit for our first show. I think we just get back into the swing of things. 
I asked for a prediction for my game this weekend. We don't know what the teams are going to be, and it's a completely irrelevant <laughs> game. But still, so completely in the dark. Yeah, uh, yeah I think England win. They look good uh, last time out. Okay. Sorry. No. no. On it. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> on that note, the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> on that note, it was, it's great to be back. <laughs> the World Cup starts here. I know podcasts have come back over the last few weeks, but everyone has been waiting for it. You know, for this one, I think for their left wing and the unveiling of the new logo. I think there's <laughs> some sort of gala event in Crystal. Uh, maybe at some stage. Do you think the excitement's building with the extra face in it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Best time I got my Jew. Anyway, too many chefs spoiling the broth. I well, think. Anyway, that's all we have time from the left wing and association with Ali. Thank you so much for listening to us. We will be back next week with another podcast, looking back on Ireland versus England and all the other action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi, official supermarket of the IRFU, feeding the future of Irish rugby. For more information, visit www.aldi.ie forward slash play rugby.